Come on, how many of you guys are excited for our upcoming Elevate conference? I'm so excited for that conference. March 8th through 10th, block out your calendar. Make sure you're here for all, all three days of that conference. I'm so excited. I believe God's gonna do something amazing. There's a, uh, there's a scripture in Romans chapter one, verse 12, that says that, that, that we may be encouraged by, we mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. And uh, I, I'm super excited for our special guest, Russell B. Johnson, to be joining us for this conference because uh, I've never met the man. I, I've been listening to his sermons for uh, the better part of probably two years now. And I've never met the guy, but I've been mutually encouraged by his faith, that he has an unwavering and a vibrant, big faith. And it's been inspiring for me to see. And I just can't wait to see what God's gonna, what God's gonna speak through him at our conference. It's gonna be an amazing thing. You don't wanna miss it. And so make sure you're here for that conference, March 8th through the 10th. It's gonna be an amazing time. Uh, as we lead into conference season, our church, uh, February 18th, we've got an exciting uh, evening planned, February 18th at 6 p.m. It's a Sunday night. We're going to be gathering together for our conference crew night, our conference crew night. And so if you're a volunteer in any way, or if you want to volunteer, then you're a part of the crew. And so you should be here for our crew night. We're going to lay out, uh, we're going to talk about the theme of this conference, talk about the details of the conference. We're going to give you an opportunity to vote what shirts you want printed at conference. It's going to be an awesome time. And so make sure you're here for that. Again, that's February 18th at 6 p.m. Cool? Everyone got that? Yeah? Uh, I want to give you an opportunity. Anybody that uh, came prepared to give your tithe and offering this morning, we thank you for your giving. We have tons of ways you can give. You can give with a QR code. You can give on the Elevate app via stock or crypto now. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, but uh, we're still testing ground, so don't do that yet. I was just, you know. Um, but uh, you can give on the app. You can give through an envelope. We thank you for your giving. It's giving that, that funds this church, that uh, your generous contribution is what allows this church to move forward and do what God is calling this church to do. And so we're so thankful for that. Um, and uh, next Sunday, I got a lot of announcements today. How many of you guys are glad to be a part of a church that's doing stuff, right? We don't just gather on Sundays. We actually do stuff. It's exciting. Um, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And so it's always a special Sunday morning service. If you've never been baptized, sign up to get baptized. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for you. And the water's heated. And so while we're all cold and shivering walking to the building, you're going to be getting into a nice hot tub of water being baptized, okay? So sign up to get baptized. It's a great opportunity. And uh, last announcement for you, March 17th. The week after our conference is over, we're going into our, our uh, Heart for the House Big Give Offering Sunday morning service. It's, if you've ever been to one of those, you'd recognize it's always such a special time where we come together as the people of God and we, we take one sacrificial offering where we all, we all contribute, we all sacrifice to, to try to fund and, and try to make possible the dreams and the visions God has for this house. And so make sure you're here for that. It's, an, it's, it's, a, it's gonna be a great Great Sunday. So uh, this morning, we're jumping into a new theme. Uh, how many of you guys enjoyed the theme we had last month? It was amazing, right? So we're jumping into a new theme this Sunday, reevaluate. okay? We're gonna reevaluate some things here at Elevate. We're gonna talk through some of our values as a church. We're gonna talk through, uh, I'm sure a lot of you would be familiar with our values, but that's what we're gonna be focusing on uh, over the course of the next four weeks. And I have the opportunity to open up this theme uh, with you this morning, so I'm super thankful for that. It's already the first Sunday in February, isn't that crazy? 
we're already a full month into the new year. That's just absolutely insane. How many of you guys feel like it's just flown by? It's just flown by. Uh, but we're already one month into the new year. And I, I hope everyone's having an amazing 2024 so far. I don't know about you. I, I'm believing it's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year for our church. I'm believing it's going to be a great year for myself. And I shared that with our youth on Friday. It's going to be a good year for me. I just have a feeling about it. You know what I mean? You should think the same way. If you don't think that way, what a boring, sad life you live. If you go into the new year thinking, this is not going to be the year for me. Like, come on, man. It's a new year. But uh, we just finished up a, a, a theme on Friday nights at our youth service. I have the privilege to, to pastor the young people of this church, and it's such a great honor for me. Uh, and if, you're, if you don't take your kids to, to service on Friday night, you are missing out on a huge opportunity. It, it is such a great opportunity for your kids to encounter God in a real way. And, and uh, we just ended a, a theme called 2020 Forward, talking about how 2024 is going to be a year where we progress a year where we move forward. And, and uh, there's certain things that we have to do in order to, in order to accomplish that. And uh, we came out of that theme, kind of focused on that. And uh, I think all of us probably step into a new year with that kind of mentality. Now, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna improve on some things this year. Anybody decide that when they step into the new year? I'm gonna get better at some things this year. And uh, hopefully no one goes into a, a new year thinking, well, here we go again. Just another time around the sun. Like, here we go. Hopefully that's not you. But uh, hopefully you step in, into a new year focused on, on moving forward and focused on getting better. But sometimes I feel like we treat January 1st as if it's like this special day and it has this special ability for us to just change our lives. That we come into January 1st and something about that day means I can completely change my routine, I can set new habits, I can do all of these things and it just works on February 1st. But how many of you guys know that's not necessarily true? It doesn't necessarily work that way. Anybody launched 2024 with some New Year's resolutions? Anybody? I, I know I did. I, 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 st I started the New, year. New Year's resolutions. It's not of the devil. It's okay. You, you're a Christian, but you can have some resolutions, okay? Um, but I stepped into the new year. I had some revolutions that I, that I want to accomplish. I have some things I want to get better at, things I want to do. And uh, if you have set any New Year's resolutions, let me ask this question for you. Have anybody, are any of you still doing it? Because that's a very different question. You know what I mean? Like, you, you wanted to do it. Are you doing it? That's a completely different Completely different question. But the reason why I asked that is because uh, Time Magazine actually did a survey on this, and they, they found that 80% of New Year's resolutions that are set on January 1st have completely ended or been given up by February 1st. Isn't that crazy? 80% of, of New Year's resolutions that people make are completely given up on by, by February 1st, one month into the year. Is there anybody still going with their New Year's resolutions? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay, a few of you. I got good news for you guys today. You ready? I, got, I, I came to bring good news to you, nobody else. Um, if you're still going with your New Year's resolution, that part of that study is that 50% of people that make it to February make it to the end of the year. Isn't that awesome? And so if you're here in February and you still got your resolution going, keep going, man. You got this, you know? But... Uh, you know, I, I, I've done New Year's resolutions many times in my life, and I think one of the things that I've learned for myself is part of the reason why a lot of times my, my resolutions fail is because I'll give the New Year's, resolution, New Year's resolution a place, but not a priority. 
And, and there's a difference between place and priority. They, they don't mean the same thing. They're two very different things. And uh, what I've come to learn is that every time I try to change a habit or every time I try to set something new in my life, that if I don't prioritize it, chances are it's probably not going to happen. Because there's a difference between place and, and priority. When you give something a place, essentially what you're saying is this, when I have time, I'll do it. Okay, when I have time, I'll do it. When, uh, this is usually how our New Year's resolutions end up uh, happening. That I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna commit to doing this this year, but I'm not gonna change anything about my schedule. I'm just gonna add it to my plate. It's given something a place. That, that's what that is. And, and so we, co we come into a new year and we say, when I, I'm gonna go to the gym this year when I have time. On my free time, I'm gonna start working out. That's what we say, right? I'm gonna eat better this year. When I have time to make something better at home, right? Like, or, or we say, like, I, I'm going to read my Bible this year when I have time. I'm going to spend my free time reading the Bible. We give it a place. But when you give something a priority, you aren't saying, when I have time. You're saying, I'm going to make time for this. That's the difference between place and priority. Place is when I have time. Priority is, I'm going to make time to do this. I'm going to sacrifice an hour of sleep to make time to be able to do what I want to do. I'm going to sacrifice an hour here for an hour there. It's, it's a priority. In order for you to give something priority, chances are you're going to have to sacrifice in some area. It's necessary to give something priority. In other words, when you give something a place... You're setting yourself up to make your decisions based off of what is convenient to you in that moment. That's what happens when you give something a place. I'm gonna make my decisions based off of what fits my schedule, what's convenient for me. But when you give something priority, you are committing to doing something even when it's inconvenient. Even when it's hard, even when you don't want to, even when it's raining, even when it's cold outside, you're committing to doing something even when it's inconvenient. This is extremely countercultural to the world that we live in today. You know something that really bothers me? I don't care if you want to know or not, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, something that always bothers me is, is when people say that the young, the young generation today is the laziest generation to ever live. How many of you guys have heard that before? If you're raising your hand saying you've heard that before, you've probably said that before too, okay? Is it young, the laziest generation to ever live. That really bothers me. It, it really bothers me. And the reason why is this, I don't believe young people want to be lazy. I don't believe young people even recognize the fact that they're lazy. But young people are being raised in a society driven by convenience. Think about this with me. Our world today is driven by what is convenient. Fast food. You don't go to McDonald's because it's the best food that you can get. You go because why? It's convenient. It's quick and easy, right? That, that's why you go. For me, I don't even order at, at McDonald's. If I'm going to McDonald's, I'm not even going to order there. Matt and I, we go out to eat a lot together because we're, we're homies. And so we, uh, we'll be going somewhere and we ask him, Matt, Matt, what do you feel like eating? He'll be like, Chipotle. I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to look up on the, on the Apple App Store for the Chipotle app. I'm going to download it. I'm going to make an account. I'm going to order my food before I get to the restaurant because it's convenient. 
because it's gonna be there when I get there. I, I'm gonna go through all this trouble because it's convenient. Our world is driven by convenience. In the progression of technology, I'm a huge tech whiz, and so I like following the latest technology and stuff. And the newest technology, they always promote what? How much faster it is. It's so much faster now. It's 150% faster, which means it used to charge in five minutes, and now it only takes four minutes and 30 seconds, right? Like, that's the difference. But they promote that it's faster because faster is more convenient. Are you guys following me? Yeah? Remember when you had to go to Blockbuster to rent a movie? hey oh, right? You had to go to Blockbuster to rent a movie? And then this amazing thing came out called, what is it? Redbox, hey oh, yeah, there you go. Redbox came, and Redbox blew Blockbuster away. Why? Because it was more convenient. Because now when I'm getting my groceries, I can rent a movie, right? And then out of Redbox comes Netflix, okay? Some of you guys probably didn't even know this, but Netflix used to ship movies to your house, and you had to send them back. It wasn't online. But they blew Redbox out of the water. Why? Because it was more convenient. I don't have to go to the store anymore. I don't have to return it. They, I can just have them ship it to me, and I put it back in the package, and I send it back to them. It's convenient. And then Netflix changed the game, and they put all their movies online. And it, now nothing exists except streaming. That's the only thing that's around. Why? Because it's convenient. Our world is driven by convenience. And young people are being raised in a culture today telling them that your choices should be based off of what is convenient. To do what is convenient for you. And this isn't just a struggle for young people. This is a struggle for all of us. Every single one of us fall under this. And don't, don't act like this doesn't affect you. What was the last time you went to Staples and bought paper for your printer? Nobody, right? Because you went to Amazon.com, you ordered it, and they shipped it to your house because it's way more convenient. This is something that all of us deal with, that we, we, we base our decisions based off of what is convenient. But here's something that I've learned in my life. A lot of times, the most beneficial things for me are usually the most inconvenient things that I don't want to do. The things that have the most benefit are the most inconvenient We've talked about this before, talking about how there's, there's, there's beauty in the ugly things. There's benefits to the inconsistent things. Work, the inconvenient things. Work is not convenient, but it's beneficial, right? You need that paycheck at the end of the week. It may not be convenient, but it's beneficial. Going to the gym may not be convenient, but it's beneficial. Studying may not be convenient, but it's beneficial. You may not feel like reading your Bible every day because it's not convenient, but it is beneficial. Waking up early on a Saturday morning to go to prayer after being out late with a bunch of young people at Chick-fil-A, it's not convenient. It's not convenient, but I can tell you it is beneficial. I know it's beneficial. Uh, tithing, giving, it's not convenient. It'd be much nicer to, to hold on to all of what I've got and spend it however I want. It's not convenient, but it is beneficial. Sleeping in, it may sound convenient, but it's going to jack up your whole day. It's, it's not beneficial. Are, are, you, are you with me? Taco Bell. Hey, yo, Taco Bell drive through It sounds convenient. It may be convenient because it might save you some time, but it comes with repercussions that are going to cost you a lot more time. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's convenient, but it's not really beneficial. And so what we do, 
what, what, what we should do when something is inconvenient is we need to learn to prioritize it. We need to learn to prioritize the inconvenient things because usually it's the inconvenient things that are the most beneficial for your life. I want to talk to you this morning as we talk about our values of this church. I want to talk to you about some priorities. Can I do that? Can we talk about priorities today? And uh, I want to talk to you about some of the priorities that we here at Elevate Ministries have set. That these are priorities of our church, but I pray that as we leave this building today, these would not just be priorities of our church, but these would be priorities of our individual lives as well. And so the first priority I want to talk to you about, something you may have heard before, we say it like this, we say Jesus is front and center. How many of you guys have heard that before? Jesus is front and center. It's our priority that Jesus is front and center. In, in other words, he is the reason behind everything that we do as a church. He is the reason. He is, this, this is a principle that, that we, don't, we didn't just come up with, but it's something that we see all throughout the Bible. We see it all throughout Scripture, that not just as a church, but as we as individuals, we should have this set in our lives. And the truth is, is I know for myself, this is something that I constantly have to reflect on and make sure I'm still in the right spot. Make sure this is still in place in my life. We know Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And, and reading this, it, it made me think, there must be a reason why God wants to be first. There must be a reason why God doesn't want to be second. God doesn't want to be wherever he fits. God wants to be first in your life. And, and there must be a reason for that. And as I thought about this, that I found that the reason why is because you only progress in the things that you prioritize. You only get better in the things that you prioritize. And some of us, we have settled for giving God place, but not giving God priority. We've given him a spot. We've given him a time frame on our schedule, but we haven't given him priority. But God is only interested in one place, it's first. That's the only spot God wants in your life. If it's not first, he doesn't need to be a part of it. God wants to be first in your life, that's all he wants. But what we tend to do, I'm speaking to myself, we, what we tend to do is we tend to squeeze him in where we can. This is just what's, I believe, natural for us. And, and we tend to just put him in where, where it fits the best for our schedule, where it works best for us. It, it comes in ways like this. Man, I was out really late last night. Saturday night, I was hanging out, and I was out really late last night, and uh, I'm just not feeling 100% this morning, so I, I'm not gonna go to church today. I'll go next week. You're giving God a spot, but you're not giving him a priority. It, it, it looks like other things too. This is, this is, this is straight me, okay? So this, I, know, I know this is some of you too, but this is, this is my problem. I just don't feel like reading the Bible today. We're in Leviticus. Oh, I don't want to read the Bible today. And then you say this, I'll read two days tomorrow to catch up on the reading plan. Anybody do that? That's me all day, okay? I'll, I'll, re, I'll read two days tomorrow. It's, it's giving a place, but not giving priority. We do this all the time. Anybody but me do this. We, we give God place for priority. And this is something that I was reflecting on myself on December 31st before I was going to go to bed. I, I was just thinking about the things that I think I can improve on coming into the new year. Just like, like we all do. And one of the things I found myself uh, thinking that I can improve on was that 
I recognized I was giving God place, but there were some things that I wasn't giving him priority in. I was giving him place, but prior, uh, I wasn't giving him priority. There's a quote, a quote that I love by a pastor that I follow, uh, and uh, he said this. He said, you have time for what you have time for. I love that quote, because if something's important to you, you're going to make time for it. If you value something, you're going to make time to make sure I'm going to get this in. And so I was thinking about this at the end of the year last year, and I was thinking about my normal routine. How, how do I go about my day? And I was thinking about my morning. I, I, I was waking up at around 5.45, and I would go for a run. And then when I got home, I'd get ready for the day. I'd shower and all that stuff. And then I'd uh, eat breakfast with my wife and my daughter, and then I'd go to work. It's a decent morning, right? It's pretty good. Not sleeping in, not waking up at 8 o'clock, thinking like, crap, I got to get to work. It's not like that. Like, pretty good. And then I would get to work, and uh, I, I would do whatever I have to do. And this is where the problem was, that I would kind of just wait for an open time slot in my schedule to be able to, to read my Bible for that day, okay? Just whenever it was available, whenever it fit, that's when I would do it. And looking at that, what I, what I learned was that I was, I was, for the Word of God, I was giving it place, but I wasn't giving it priority. Where I didn't completely disregard it, but it wasn't my priority. Because now, when I was reflecting on this, I couldn't see it at the time, but as I was reflecting on that year, I found that my Bible reading was now conditional based off of how busy of a day I was going to have. And so the moment things started to get a little busy and things started to ramp up, there was something that had to go. Are you following me? And so I gave my Bible reading plan a place, but not a priority, because the moment things started to get busier, something had to go. And, and now you probably hear that, and you probably think, that's not that big of a deal. And, and the truth is, is that you're probably right, because I was like, oh, I don't have time today, I'll just do two days tomorrow. And, and I remained pretty consistent at doing that. Um, and so you're probably like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And would God come down from heaven and smite me off the earth for doing that? Probably not, right? Like, I'm probably safe in that regard. But at the same time, I recognize that I will never progress in anything that I do not prioritize. And so if I want to get better, there's some changes that have to be made. If I want to understand the Word of God more, I'm going to have to prioritize it a little bit more. And I think some of us, we live our lives too convenient. Because this change that I had to make uh, coming into this new year, I decided, okay, I'm just going to wake up an hour earlier. I want to prioritize the Word of God in my life. I don't want it to just have a place. And so, and so starting at the new year, I started waking up at 4.30, and I get out of bed, I go to the couch, I sit there, and I, and I read the Word of God. I, I meditate on the Word of God, and then I, I, I pack up myself, I go for a run, come home. Morning is exactly the same as it was. The only difference is I made time for something else. I prioritized something. Are, are you guys following me? And, and this tells me that a lot of times that in order for something, uh, when something's inconvenient, you may have to sacrifice what is convenient for the benefit of it. You, yeah? And so some of us, I believe we live our lives too convenient. Maybe there are some people in this room that you, you recognize that you prioritize the wrong things. That you need to change some of your priorities. That you've placed God a spot on your schedule. You've put him in your schedule just somewhere where it fits, but you haven't given him priority. There's a story I want to share with you found in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. 
It says this, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Kind of not the best sister, right? Um, verse, 40, verse 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And then he says, actually, it, it's only one. Mary has chosen what is better and that will not be taken away from her. This story strikes me because Martha's the one who opens up her door. Martha's the one that opens up her home to Jesus. Martha's the one who invites Jesus in. Martha's the one prepping the food. Martha's the one cleaning the house. Martha's the one doing all of the work. But Mary is the one who gets rewarded. And it just makes me think, why? Shouldn't Martha be rewarded for all the work that she was doing? Shouldn't Jesus bless Martha because she was the one that invited him into the house? But Mary is the one that gets blessed, why? And I believe it's because Martha was so busy preparing a place for Jesus that the preparation became her priority. And this just makes me think, how many times have we come into a place like this? How many times have we entered into the house of God where the spirit of God is in this room and we miss out because we're distracted by other things? I know for myself, this is something that I have to guard against because I come in on Sunday mornings early and I, I think of all the things that have to get done. I, I turn everything on, make sure everything's working, make sure everything flows right, make sure there's no problems anywhere. There's so much that has to get done. There's so much that has to be prepared. And the moment that something turns in the wrong direction, it's so easy for me to mentally check out and miss out on the fact that the Spirit of God is in this room. That it's the spirit of God's the reason why we're here. If you're a volunteer, and if you serve at this church in any capacity, I want, you to hear, I want you to hear this this morning. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your heart to serve this church, because this church would not be what it is without you. And if you serve at this church, you would know that Elevate Ministries, we're a church that strives for excellence. We want everything to be as excellent as they can be. We want things to sound as good as they can sound. We want things to look as good as they can look. We want you to feel good when you walk into this building. We want all of that, but there are times where things don't work the way they're supposed to. We want it to smell good when you walk into the foyer. There are times when the urinal's not flushing. And so we got to mask that smell with coffee and, and, and obviously you'll walk in and be like, it kind of smells weird in here. There's going to be times where that happens. There's going to be times where the worship team messes up. For me, it's every week, okay? I'm just being honest. Uh, there's going to be times where the media has a glitch. There's going to be times where the live stream doesn't get up because something's not working properly. There are going to be times where things don't work the way they're supposed to. However... Excellence is not our priority, Jesus is. Jesus is front and center. 
Jesus is our priority. It's the reason we're here today. And, and this, this, doesn't, this doesn't just happen to me. This happens to every single one of us, that we get distracted by the details that do not matter. Because we're, because we're too busy making sure the service flows smoothly or because we had a fight on the way to church or because someone cut us off on the freeway or because we missed our alarm so we had to quickly rush to get dressed and get over here or because someone didn't say hi to you when you walked into the building or because someone in the cafe made your coffee a little bit too strong. There's so many details that we allow ourselves to miss out on the 90 minutes we have together in the presence of God. And we miss this opportunity for God to speak into our lives in, in a way that he could change the way that we live. Think about the power of that, that we're gathered here in this building with the presence of God in this room. And it's an opportunity for us to hear a word from God that can change our life forever. And we miss it because someone didn't say hi when we walked into the building. We miss it because our coffee wasn't right. We miss it because we're thinking about what we're gonna eat for lunch. We miss out on this opportunity we have because we're prioritizing the preparation. God isn't looking for Martha's. God's not looking for the one that does all the prep. God's not looking for the one that, 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 that handles all of the details. God's not looking for the one that is capable of doing the most. God is looking for Mary's. God isn't looking for someone who can cross every T and dot every I. God is looking for somebody that would prioritize him above everything else. That's what God is looking for. People that won't focus on the details, but will focus on him. Our priority is not in the details or the preparation. Our priority is set on him. You know, I think one of the hardest things about this for us, and, and me included, is that we, we want God to fit into a place where it fits, us, fits our life best. I mean, all of us can attest to that life gets busy, right? Things come up in life and, and, and things, you, start, you run out of time real fast. And we try to fit God into a place where, where it fits our schedule the best. And, and the moment that we do that, we don't recognize that what we're doing is we're taking the priority off of him and we're putting the priority on ourselves. That now all of a sudden we're saying, God, I give you a place, but God, I'm the priority. God, I give you the place, but only, uh, I'll, do, I'll do it when it's convenient because I'm prioritizing myself. And as long as you prioritize yourself, you will block yourself from receiving everything God wants to do in your life. I think we see this in the life of Abraham found in Genesis chapter 12. There's a small little passage of scripture, Genesis chapter 12, verse one. And it says this, says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, go from your people, go from your family to the land that I'm gonna show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And then verse four, it says this. So Abraham went. So Abram went. I don't think we give this guy nearly enough credit to what he actually deserves. Because this is so countercultural to the world we live in today. Because we live in a world that teaches us to prioritize ourselves, to do what is convenient for me, to ask what's in it for me, 
How does this benefit me? How does this work for me? This is what we're taught in our world today. And what God is asking Abram to do is something that most of us probably would not be willing to do today. He, God says to Abraham, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave your home, leave your family, leave your job, leave your security, leave your inheritance, leave it all behind and go where I'm gonna tell you to go. Let's just think about this for a moment. First, he's asking Abraham to leave without any direction of where to go. He said, leave to a place I'm gonna show you. I'll show you at some point. I, I don't know when, I don't know how long it's gonna take, but I want you to leave what you're familiar with and I want you to go to a place that I will reveal to you eventually. Probably most of us probably wouldn't do that, right? The second thing that we see he says is, uh, he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. Some of you are like, no problem there, peace out. And if that's the case, you need to repent because that's not okay. But um, he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. And if we think back in the setting of when this is said, Abraham's identity was tied to, in, to the, the family lineage that he came from. His inheritance was tied to his family. Everything he had was, was tied to the family name. And, and God's telling Abram, Abram, I want you to leave your family. Like, deuces, I want you gone. And then the third thing is this, Abraham, Abraham was not young when God told him to do this. Abram was 75 years old. Okay, this is not a, hey, college abroad. Let's go spend four years in Mississippi and have a great time. That's, that's not what this is, okay? God is telling Abram, a 75-year-old man, Abram, I want you to leave behind everything you've built for yourself. The, the familiar uh, job that you have, the security that you have, the home that you've built. I want you to leave all of it, and I want you to go where I'm going to tell you to go. That's a, it's a big ask, right? And so we read this, and we think, oh, good for Abraham. Good for him, man. He's going to the promised land where it's flowing with milk and honey, right? Like, what a beautiful place. But that's not what this is for Abraham. But we see in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that by faith, Abraham obeyed and he went, even though he had no idea where he was going. Verse nine says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents. What a luxurious vacation for Abraham, right? He got, he got to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. The only problem is it didn't belong to him. He had to live under the rule of somebody else and he had to live in a tent. And I think when we think about this, this would be as if God tells you, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your house, leave it all. And I want you to go, I'm gonna lead you to this random dude's backyard. You have no idea who they are. You, you've never seen them before. I'm gonna lead you to someone's backyard. I'll pitch you a tent and you can sleep there for the rest of your life. How many of you guys would say, I'm into that, right? Nobody. This is not some exciting thing for Abraham. But what we should learn in this text is that Abraham prioritized God over himself. He said, God, if you're telling me to go, I'll go. God, if you're going to lead me, I'll follow. He's not, he's not, he's not going to allow himself to get in the way. And because of that, because Abraham prioritized God above himself, God was able to bless him. 
1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself that he may lift you up in due time. That when you get out of the way, God can raise you up. God wanted to birth something out of Abraham. And in order for God to do something new inside of you, you gotta leave some old things behind. You gotta get out of the way. And I don't know about you, but the hardest thing for me to get out of the way, the hardest thing for me to place aside is myself. It's what I want. It's what I have. It's what I've built. It's what I want to do. James 1.14 says that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by, by what? By his own desire. Tells us that our greatest temptation is not what we don't want. It's what we do want. Our greatest desire is the stuff that I want for myself, the life I wanna live, the job I want to have, the life I wanna build, the family I want to have. This is the greatest temptation for us. It's feeding what I want. This is, this is what this scripture says in Matthew 10, 39, where Jesus says, whoever, whoever finds their life, they're gonna lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What Jesus is saying is, in order for me to step into what God has for me, I have to get out of the way. I have to remove myself from the equation. I have to place myself aside. I have to stop prioritizing myself. I can't prioritize what I want, what I think is best for me, what is easiest for me, what is most convenient for me, what satisfies me, because Jesus is our priority. He is our focal point. He is our center of attention. He is the reason we are gathered here this morning. It's our priority that Jesus is front and center. It's a value of our church. Jesus, is, he's first. He's our focus. He's our primary priority. Jesus is front and center. But that's not the only priority that we have as a church. It's not the only priority we have. But we have two. We say Jesus is front and center. But we also say this. We say God's word is our blueprint. We build our lives on the biblical truths and the foundation of God's word. And I believe this is one of the things that separates Elevate Ministries from a lot of churches. This is one of the things that makes Elevate Ministries so special is the fact that God's word is our blueprint. I love the fact that Elevate Ministries is a church that studies, preaches, and teaches the unaltered, unfiltered, unchanging word of God. We, we preach the word of God whether it's accepted or not. We preach the word of God whether it's politically correct or not. We preach the word of God the way it was written and the way it was intended to be spoken. That's how we preach the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is the only consistent truth we have in an ever-changing world. It's the only thing we have. So why, as a church, do we put so much emphasis on this? And here's what we need to be aware of today, is that we live in a world that accepts Jesus but rejects the Bible. They accept Christ, but they reject the word of God. Because the reason why is it's easy to fall in love with Jesus. It's easy to fall in love with the one who died for your sins. It's easy to fall in love with the one who performed miracles, who was kind, who was gracious, who picked people up when they were down. It's easy to fall in love with that guy. 
However, it's not so easy to fall in love with the Bible. It's not so easy to fall in love with the idea that you can't do whatever you want to do. It's not easy to fall in love with the idea that you can't marry anybody you want to marry. That you can't watch what everyone watches. That you can't do what everyone else does. That you can't have sex before marriage. It's not an easy thing to fall in love with. It's not easy to fall in love with that. You can't get wasted on Friday night. You can't get high to escape your feelings. You cannot do those things. That is not an easy thing to fall in love with because we want to fall in love with Jesus who died for us and cares for us. We don't want to love the scripture that tells us we can't live the way that we live. And we live in a time where churches preach Jesus, but they suppress the word of God because it's offensive, because it's not inclusive, because it's outdated, because it's not culturally acceptable. Come on, how many of you guys love the theme we just came out of, the Truth Matters theme? God, it was such an amazing, such an amazing month. How many of you guys appreciate our lead pastor, Pastor Adam? Come on, it was four, four amazing messages. Um, I, I just so appreciate that theme, and coming out of that theme, it just ingrained in my brain. It just makes me think the Bible isn't offensive, it's truth. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is not outdated. The Bible is truth. But a lot of churches have resorted to teaching a filtered gospel to fit the world we live today. And as a result of this, the world is full of Christians who love Jesus, but they don't know his word. They love Christ, but they don't know his word. The problem with that is this, you can't. You can't. You cannot love Jesus and not love his word because they are one and the same. They're together. John 1 once says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Let me tell you the danger of falling in love with Jesus but not knowing the Bible. You will unknowingly begin to separate God and the word and treat them like they're two separate things. And as a result, you will fall in love with a distorted picture of your own version of who Jesus is that you've created in your mind. Let me give you an example of this. John 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Word became flesh, talking about Jesus. The Word became human, became flesh, and, and he was full of grace, but he was full of truth. So many people try to separate Jesus from Scripture, and we treat them like they're two separate things. When you do that, what you are doing is you are splitting the characteristics of who God is. And you're splitting the grace from the truth. Because we look at Jesus as our picture of grace. We look at the crucifixion of Jesus as our picture of grace. It, it's graceful, it's loving, it's, it's mercy. And then we look at the word of God as if it's truth. But they aren't two separate things. But Jesus is full of grace and he's full of truth. They, they are a package deal, and we live in a world that wants all the grace, but they reject the truth, but you cannot have one without the other. We live in a world that 
we want the grace of God that says we're accepted. We want the grace of God that says that we're loved the way that we are, but it comes with the truth that says you cannot stay that way, that I accept you the way you are. I love you the way you are, but you have to change. It's grace and it's truth. Grace is the hand that pulls you back up to your feet when you mess up. It's the hand that pulls you back to your feet when you make a mistake, but it's accompanied with a truth that says don't do it again. Walk in a better way. I've set you apart. You are to be a holy people. You're called to a higher standard. But we live in a world where churches are full of grace, but they're sparse in truth. Where we want to be accepting so bad that we'll sacrifice the truth that comes with the grace. And the moment we separate grace from truth, we abuse God's grace and we disregard his truth. The moment that you separate Jesus from the word, you will abuse the grace that we have in Christ and you will disregard the truth. And this is where, this is where so many people go wrong today. Look, there's a difference between your mistakes and your decisions. I 100% believe that that we all make mistakes, we will all continue to make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And that's just the story of our life. It's, it's gonna be that way. But, and at the same time, I, I believe that doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in your past, there's no mistake that will ever disqualify you from doing what God has called you to do. I, I believe that, that, that there's no mistake too big. But let me ask you this question. At what point does your mistake become your decision? How many times can you make the same mistake over and over and over again before that mistake becomes a decision? How long can you abuse the grace of God? How long can you take the grace of God for granted and ignorantly reject the truth that can change your life? Because it's the grace of God that saves you, but it's the truth of God that sets you free. It's the grace of God that saves you, but it's the truth that changes the way that you live. And be, how many times can we do this before we realize that it does not work? You can't just keep receiving grace and keep receiving grace and keep rejecting truth. You cannot do that. But so many Christians, they claim to love Christ. However, your love is not genuine until you get to know someone for who they really are. It's easy to love a girl when you're dating. Right, because she got the makeup on. She'd be looking cute, right? She wore the best outfit. You know what I'm talking about? She brushed her teeth before the date. She brought mints for after dinner. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to love a girl when, when you're on a date. It's not, it's not as easy when you start to get to know them for who they really are. It's not as easy to get to, know, to, to love them the same, oh, you're so beautiful. When you see them without the makeup on, then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I've never seen you before, you know? Whoa. This is why they say, this is why they say that, that the hardest time in marriage is, is the first few years. Because you're used to knowing someone from a dating relationship where we cover up everything and we just make ourselves as presentable as possible. And then you get married and out come the slacks and out come, you know what I mean? Out come the, the sweatpants and the, the loose fitting tee. We're gonna sit on the couch all day. We're gonna watch movies and I'm not gonna do my makeup, not gonna brush my teeth, not gonna do nothing, right? 
This is why the first few years of marriage are the hardest is because you're actually getting to know someone for who they really are. You're actually genuinely getting to know somebody for the first time. And the Bible, the Word of God, it is the only tool that God has chosen to use to reveal himself to us. You cannot come to church on a Sunday morning once a week and expect to know who God is. Because the way God wants to reveal himself to you is only through his word. It's from understanding what the word of God says. So you cannot know him until you know it. The Bible does two things. The Bible introduces us to who Jesus is. This is the reason we prioritize the Bible, is because the Bible isn't separate from Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. That, that's what the Bible is. It introduces us to the grace and the mercy and the love of God. But here's what happens. You'll begin to fall in love as a result of knowing God's word. You'll begin to fall in love with the full, true identity of God. Not a partial identity but the full identity of who God is. And as you begin to know him more through the word, the word will start to impart truth into your life. And that truth starts to influence the decisions that you make. And as you get to know who Jesus is, you begin to discover who you are supposed to be. And as you discover who you are supposed to be, you'll begin to discover what you need to do in order to become that person. This is why we say God's word is our blueprint. We build our lives on the biblical truths found in God's word. Because the biblical truths and the foundation of God's word is a solid rock. Because it will never fail you. Because God's word never returns void. We don't need to listen to what society says on how to live because Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, let every man be a liar. Joshua chapter one, verse eight says, do not lose the book of the law, always keep it on your lips. It says, meditate on it day and night. That word meditate is not saying sit in your corner in your room and read the Bible. Meditate is saying to speak the word of God, that we're supposed to know it, that we're supposed to recite it to ourselves because when we speak the word of God, all of a sudden we know what we need to do. It helps us with our decision-making that we meditate on it. We speak it over ourselves. Why? So that you are careful to do everything that is written in it and you will live a prosperous and successful life. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. My words by no means will pass away. Psalm 119 verse 9 it says how can a young man keep his way sure by guarding it according to your word young people how do you live a successful life by living according to his word how do you raise kids by raising them according to the word how do you build a good marriage by building it upon the truth of God's word it's all about God's word. It's our priority. At Jesus front and center in God's word is our blueprint. There's a Psalm I wanna, I wanna read to you if I can. Psalm 19, verse seven through 11. And David's talking about, talking about the blessing that the word of God is. And it says this, it says, 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's more to be desired than any gold. It's sweeter than honey on the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned. And by keeping them, in keeping them, in keeping the commandments, in keeping to the way God says to live, it says there is great reward. If you want to live a blessed life, you have to live according to God's word. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, what does that mean? It means it changes us. It says that it's pure. There's no fault in it. It's the priority of Elevate Ministries. And, and I pray that as we leave this building today, that it wouldn't just be a priority of this church, but it'd be a priority of your life. That Jesus is front and center, and God's word is our blueprint. And, and as I close this morning, I just want, I, I want to point out one thing to you. In uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, we read this verse earlier. It says that the word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and it, and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. And, it says he was full of grace and full of truth. Look, the Bible is not a book. I wouldn't read it if it was a book because, like, it's too big for me, okay? I'm just saying, like, Harry Potter, I didn't read that book. It's too long. I watched the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, it's, too, it's too long, too much. Twilight, too big of a book. No thanks. Move on. See you later. But the Bible... The Bible's not a book. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a historical text. It's not just a rule book on how we're supposed to live. It's not a good read. The Bible is the living and the active word of God. But the truth is, is that it's more than just that. But that word, this word, it took on flesh. It took on, it was a human that walked this earth. It lived and walked the same earth that we walk on today. The word of God, it's not only about him. It is him. It is him. And so when we talk about our priority in this church, when we talk about Jesus is front and center and God's word is our blueprint, we aren't talking about two separate things. Our priority as a church is him. That's it. it, it it's him. It, it's all about him. Everything we do is for him. Everything we speak from this platform is about him. Every song we sing is about him. The vision of this church is focused on him. The mission of this church to reach one, teach one, unleash one, it's for him. The reason we're gathered here today, it's for him. Everything we do is about him. Our priority isn't in anything else, it's in him.
And the only reason why we can gather together this morning in a building like this is because of him. It's because of him. Now I mentioned we all make mistakes and we'll all continue to do that, but it's because of him and because of what he did that we don't have to live under the consequence of those mistakes. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna give an opportunity for anybody in this building today that's never really experienced him, the salvation that we have in him, the grace, the love, the mercy that's only found in him. Because like I mentioned, we've all made mistakes and so we all need a savior. And if there's anybody in this building today that hasn't accepted him into your life, God wants to completely wipe your slate clean. He wants to forgive you for all of your mistakes, all of the failures in your life. He wants to forgive you for it. He wants to give you a brand new start. So the Bible says the word of God took on flesh. He walked this earth. He didn't just walk this earth, but he died a criminal's death on a cross and shed his blood to cover your mistakes. And so if there's anybody in this building tonight, this morning that wants to accept that, that wants to be made free, wants to be made whole, all it takes is one decision. And that decision is to follow him. It's just to follow him. All we have to do is confess with our mouth that we're sinners, that we need a savior, and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he died and rose again. And the Bible says that you shall be saved. And so if there's anybody in this building this morning that says, I, I want that, I wanna experience that. I I need that in my life. If that's you, wherever you're at, could you just raise your hand? Just throw your hand up in the air real quick. Nobody looking around. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're just gonna give you an opportunity. I see that hand right there. You can put that hand down. Anybody else? We're not gonna embarrass you. We, we wanna pray for you. This is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life, to follow him or anybody else. Amen. You raise your hand. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Can you, can, you, can you come join me up at the front? Can, can we pray with you? Can we do that? Amen. It's the best decision you can make. This is Hilda. She's amazing. So she's awesome. Um, we're, we're just going to pray. The Bible says that all we have to do is recognize that we're not perfect or else you wouldn't be standing up here. I wouldn't be here because I'm not perfect either. And so we recognize that we're not perfect and, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart that he died and he rose again, conquered the grave. The Bible says that when we do that, we'll be saved. So that's all we're going to do. We're going to pray together. You're going to repeat after me. And, and when it's done, all of heaven's going to rejoice. They're going to go crazy up there because hell lost another one because you were free. So we're so, so excited about that. So let's, let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've made mistakes. But you love me anyway. So God, I, I thank you for what you did for me. That you gave your life for me. God, I know you, you died on a cross for me, but, but that wasn't the end of the story. But three
three days later, you rose again. God, I thank you for that. I make you Lord over my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up together? I just want to challenge everyone else here today. He's our priority. It's him. It's not, it's not about preparation. It's not about the details. Our priority is him. Let me, let me challenge, let me challenge you this morning before you leave. Don't give God place. Give him priority. Don't give him a spot. Give him priority. It's not going to be convenient. I'll warn you, it's not going to be easy. It's going to require you to sacrifice some things. It, it may require you to sacrifice some sleep. You may need to give something up. You may need to readjust your schedule. You may need to change some of your priorities around a little bit, but let me encourage you this morning, it is worth it. It is so worth it. God doesn't just want place in your life. He wants priority. Amen. So can we pray together? Can we stand to our feet all over this building? Oh God, we come before you, God, and we commit right now, God. I'm not giving you place. I'm giving you priority. God, I'm giving you my first and my best, God. God, I pray, God, that that wouldn't just be a value of this church, God. It wouldn't be a priority of this church, but it would be a value of every single person's life in this building today. That we would be a group of people, God, that prioritize you above everything else, God, because it's you. It's all about you, God. It's all because of you, God. Everything that we do is about you. Everything we live for is you, God. Everything that we do in this church, God, we do for you. Everything that we get, that we receive in our life is because of you, God. And so help us live a life that reflect God. It's not about me. I'm not prioritizing myself. I'm prioritizing you. You are our priority. You are our focal point. You are our center of attention, God. So help us live our lives after that, that you are the center and the focus of everything that we do. Can we worship together? Oh God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, sing this out. It's all about you.
Come on, maybe you just, as we close this out, just tell God from your own words, Lord, in this week, Lord, help me. Help me to make you the priority above everything, anything, above my family, above my work, above all, all the things that I deal with. Lord, you are the priority. Lord, let me make you the priority. Let me make the time for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you help each and every one of us in this area. Lord, I thank you for this message this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word that cuts to the heart, Lord, of who we are and who you want us to be. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you as you go from this place. Have a good week. Let's prioritize the Lord this week.